Welcome to Hope Renewed, the podcast of PIR Ministries. Thanks for connecting to Hope Renewed, the in-depth podcast about pastoral renewal and restoration. I'm Tom Jameson, and along with co-host Sean Nemechek, we explore the issues and challenges pastors face and help cultivate a renewed hope for healthy ministry lives. Ministry, like just about every other occupation, has its times of ups and downs, of ebb and flow, but there is a wear and tear of a unique type that happens in ministry, the kind that can impact our soul. In the very work of caring for and serving others, pastors and ministry leaders can find themselves worn down or feeling stuck in a lifeless place. How do you tend the fire of your soul as you engage in ministry? That's what we're exploring today on Hope Renewed. Yeah, Tom, we have a special guest, Bill and Christy Galtier. Uh, they're doctors of psychology and founders of Soul Shepherding, a ministry to help pastors, leaders, and churches thrive with Jesus in both emotional and relational health. They lead a network of spiritual directors who offer empathy, guidance, and prayer to help people progress in their discipleship to Jesus. They also are best-selling authors of a new book, Journey of the Soul, A Practical Guide to Emotional and Spiritual Growth. Bill and Christy Galtier, welcome to Hope Renewed. Thank you. We are thrilled to be with you. Yeah, it's really, really fun. Tom and Sean, great, great to connect. And I uh, love your ministry to pastors, so important, and uh, we're in a similar space, so this is going to be a great conversation. Yeah, we're really looking forward to it. Uh, why don't you just start by sharing with our listeners uh, just a little bit about uh, your ministry and, and how God led you to where you are today? Well, Soul Shepherding reaches pastors and missionaries and other ministry leaders, and we started as a nonprofit in 2009, and we basically put together two sides of our career. We've uh, both been working as doctors of psychology, uh, as therapists in private practice for a number of years, and we've been in the church world and in different pastoral roles over the years, as well as volunteer service. And so we put those two together to uh, minister to pastors. And so we're, in addition to being therapists, we're spiritual directors. And uh, the big idea in soul shepherding is to do ministry the way pastors do it. So we're not like only in a clinical office with the pastors and leaders, but we're in coffee shops and hiking trails mm. and groups and retreats and houses. And really it's, it's life on life discipleship. And we're bringing in, into that our understanding of Christ-centered psychology and soul care. So we have many different arms of soul shepherding. Some of those look like resources that are available to people through print or video or audio. We have a podcast as well. And then training, we have training that we do through our Soul Shepherding Institute, and also we have a spiritual direction training that we do in addition for people that are wanting certifications in spiritual direction. And then the care piece of really offering spiritual direction and care for people, as well as part of the training piece is, is training churches and staff. It's fascinating to hear these different facets coming together. So where where'd that come from? What's the bubbling up in your soul that you think brought you to this kind of ministry? Well, uh, way back uh, in, in our um, early 20s, each of us separately and then together, we're just very interested in the deeper life in Christ and wholeness and healthiness and the, the path the Lord led us on was Christian psychology. It was really before spiritual formation was a widely understood uh, concept amongst evangelical Christians. Of course, it's as, as old as, as the Bible, and mm -hmm. it's been in the mainline uh traditions in the Catholic Church for a long time. but uh, So we just wanted to uh, really understand and care for people's souls, and so psychology was our path to that. And, and so in everything we do, we're, we're bringing in Christ-centered psychology and spirituality. And as pastors, we started out in ministry early because we had a, a passion for the church and to be doing active ministry as well as our study. So while we were getting our doctors in psychology, for instance, our first year of marriage, we were college pastors at a, me a mega church. Mm. And then we have been on many churches and staffs and pastoring in different roles from church planting to large churches. And Bill was on an executive board of a church. And so just different in different experiences as pastoring, we have experienced what pastors and their wives suffer and how mm -hmm. difficult it is and how easy it is to neglect the care for your soul because 
the work is so compelling. It's so important. It's so all-consuming. And then some of the, the trials that arise with being criticized and division within the churches and just had a real heart for pastors and pastor's wives based on our own experience of that and those that we have journeyed with. So your ministry is called Soul Shepherding. Um, where where'd that come from? Um, you, you've, you've explained a little bit of, of uh, kind of what you, you provide, but uh, where, where'd the whole concept of soul shepherding come from? Well, a uh, few things, I suppose. The word soul is such uh, a deep and personal word, and it's a great uh, understanding of the person, the whole person, as a living, thriving person in God's world, and it integrates psychology and spirituality. So we're really all about the soul, the, the depth and fullness of life that God wants to bring us. And then shepherding is a great uh, term for, uh, of course, a biblical term, Psalm 23 term, for, for understanding the integration of care and guidance. And mm -hmm. so our, our ministry is very much along those lines in that we we approach people, whether it's one-on-one -on -one conversations, groups, uh, retreats, trainings. We, we really emphasize the importance of empathy and healthy relationship skills. And so that, that care uh, theme, uh, compassion, needs to be the, the basis of the guidance that we would, would give. And rather than being just uh, teachers that are giving ideas, we really want uh, to provide workshops, uh, conversations, uh, relationships, so that we're journeying with people. I, I got to admit a lot of curiosity with, with kind of the breadth of uh, experience that you've had in your approach to ministry. For each one of you, which, which aspect of your ministry captures you the most? Well, I would say our Soul Shepherding Institute. So it's a two-year program in spiritual formation and soul care. And we, we offer four five-day long retreats. So it's their intensives. And uh, we go through topics uh, like spiritual formation, uh, spiritual and psychological development, soul care ministry, and relationally healthy leadership. And most of the people that go through our program want to earn a certificate in spiritual direction to bring into their current ministry context or to become a spiritual director. And so our institute weeks have about oh, 35 people, a mix of men and women, uh, different ethnic groups, and we really bring in a lot of different types of experiences. We, we sit in a, in a circle, in a room. It's, it's conversational for the learning sessions. But then we also lead guided experiences in scripture meditation and uh, reflection and journaling and soul care. Uh, each day includes five hours of TLC time. For TLC is for To Love Christ. Mm. And so we're, we're mentoring people in the practice of solitude and silence. And then we're leading uh, spiritual direction groups where we're really helping people to be honest about what's going on in their life, and in their relationships, in their ministry, and, and work some stuff through. We're, we're providing them with, with coaching to be healthier, not only in their rhythms of life, but really in, in their, their whole spirituality and in their relationships. So we love that. That's the strength for both of us, where Bill has some extra strengths there as a writer. He, he loves to write, and he's a good writer. So he does most of the writing for our ministry, and that's something that you particularly enjoy. I would think for both of us, what is the hardest and most soul-draining for us, it's the administrative work. <laughs> so, <laughs> that sounds yeah. like pastoral ministry. Yeah. Necessary yeah. evil there. <laughs> We've been uh, delegating more and more of that as our organization has grown. But it, mm. as the organization grows, so does administration. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hard to, yeah. Hard to yeah. live in that 80-20 yeah. rule, you know, where 80% yeah. you're in your sweet spot and 20% yeah. the the other stuff that just has to be done. Yeah, that, the ministry part, that's the part that is life-giving, mm. but all the other parts of leadership, the costs are high and they're necessary, but they're not our forte. You especially love speaking. I'm surprised I you do. didn't mention yes. that. You love going yeah. to the churches and, and yeah. speaking. That's really fun. I love meeting people, interacting with people, getting to be a part of blessing the church staff is, is a real high yeah, We go to organizations and lead retreats. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we basically bring our institute to them. Yeah. And what are you finding, and this may be a very hard question to ask, but what's most impactful? What are you seeing in the lives of the pastors and ministry leaders who are engaged in your ministry, exhibiting as they walk through this time? Oh, that's such a great question. I love that. And one of the things that is made the Institute so a favorite for us is the fruit that we see in the pastor's life, the amount of transformation we see in them. 
just really hearing from God and being able to achieve a level of rest that they haven't achieved before and then opening up their souls to invite God's touch and the way that he meets them. The, the teaching and the experience that God has given us from all the times we spent over 70,000 hours between the two of us in the pool of pain with people and how we've learned from all the people we've journeyed with and how we're able to bring that to the pastors at the Institute as we talk about things like family formation and malformations that they've had and how the Lord enters in there and brings about a healthy reformation and brings healing to their soul in these areas where there's been soul splits, where there's been past pain that they haven't had time or knowledge or a safe space to deal with and to, to see the opportunities for healing and growth and just the beauty of what the Lord does as well as just the beauty of what God does in the community and these safe communities that are, are often hard for pastors to find a safe place to really bear their souls mm -hmm. and to receive yeah. care. So I, I always love that too. And that's so fruitful as well. But we're also enjoying having written Journey of the Soul. We're also hearing, enjoying hearing how God's using that. And that's a neat thing because you, know, you put so much work into a book and then you let it go and you don't, you don't really have control <laughs> over what God's going to do with it. So it's been out now long enough, about seven months, where we're hearing testimonies and just so grateful for that, what God's doing through the book, too. Let's talk about that book just a little bit. Um, you said the, the title's Journey of the Soul. Uh, the subtitle is A Practical Guide to Emotional and Spiritual Growth. Uh, tell us a little bit more about the book and uh, what led you to write it. Well, we wanted the pastors that we help and other uh, teachers and leaders disciplers to have a book that not only was going to be helpful for their, their personal intimacy with Jesus and soul care, but for the people that they help. Because uh, everybody that um, you who are listening and you're, you're pastoring, shepherding, leading people, all of those people are on a journey of their soul. They are all in one of the Christ stages of faith. And we use Christ as an acronym for six stages of faith in the discipleship journey. Everybody is somewhere on that journey, but, but most Christians don't understand that journey very well. They don't know what stage they're in, and that causes them significant um, uh, problems in their discipleship because they, they get stuck, and they don't have language to describe what they're experiencing and what the challenges are and what God's doing in this stage, what spiritual disciplines and soul care practices are likely to be helpful in that stage, and what it would look like when God might be leading them in towards the next stage of faith. So most Christians find themselves in the, on the first half of the journey, before the wall, or maybe at the wall, but they have not found their way through the wall, and they don't know that there is so much more to the Christian life on the other side of the wall. And so our book is really giving hope to readers of all, all types of Christians, especially the the pastors and, and the missionaries and the small group leaders are helping other people because now you have a map to understand your journey, but also the journey of the people that you're helping. And that understanding is so important. One of the things that was grieving my heart was seeing within the church how much judgment there was about people that were in different stages on the journey mm. because they don't understand those stages and they don't understand what God's doing. And the temptation when you don't understand another stage is to, to judge them because you're, you're afraid and it stirs up insecurities for you. And then we saw on the other side, people that were along in some of the later stages were judging the earlier stages as immature. And mm. that made us sad too, because all of the stages are good and God is at work in such important ways. And we, as we were writing the book, that was one of the things that kept me going through the hard work of the writing was the Lord saying, Christy, I'm gonna use this to unify my church, to help mm. each the people in my church feel empathy and understanding for people at every stage of the journey. This book feels like it's uh, kind of in a tradition of uh, some classical uh, Christian literature. Um, so it, it reminds me quite a bit of kind of the more recent book, uh, The Critical Journey. Um, but it, it also seems to go all the way back to like uh, the, the interior castle, the way you describe this journey in different stages, and and as you go along, you get deeper in and closer closer to Christ uh, through them. Uh, tell us a little bit more about what influenced you to write uh, this book. Well, we draw on Teresa of Avila as a spiritual mother in the book, and so we draw on some of her insights about 
uh, our relationship with God and spirituality and hearing God's voice and discernment and uh, e even uh, uh, special experiences with God. She's a, a great master of the spiritual life. And so uh, she speaks into each of the stages, but also writers like Eric Erickson and uh, Psychosocial Development. We, our, our theory of the Christ stages of faith is integrating with Teresa of Avila, Eric Erickson, also James Fowler and his stages of faith, which tie a lot into cognitive development. And so we're looking at these different, we're looking at the, the person and our, our relationships and s through these different lenses of our, our physical development, our cognitive development, our, our relational development, our psychological development, and our faith development. And so there are similar things happening in all of these uh, progressions of development. So we worked very hard to integrate those and be true to the, the, the science behind that. And so there's quite a bit of research that goes into it, and you can see that in over 250 endnotes in the book. And, but that's especially there for the pastors and the teachers that care a lot about that. <laughs> but the average reader that maybe isn't concerned about that, that's sort of like under the, under the surface, and it, it's in the endnotes. And we uh, actually rewrote this book, like every chapter of the book, we rewrote it three times to make it simpler. And, and more engaging, more stories, uh, put insights into tables and charts with steps that are real handy. So it's, it's just a, a really great reference tool. So this is, this is the book that a, a, a counselor, a coach, a discipler can hand to the person that they're working with and say, here, read, read this book, and you're going to see where you are in the journey, and it's going to help me to help you so much more. And we put our stories in the book, too, because one of the things is we were understanding the integration and how in God's way it's so beautiful the way he weaves together the development and all these different aspects of our soul mm. like we talked about emotionally and spiritually and socially and physically and all the different components all in order there and as we look at our story and our journey we we discover and get this excitement of how God has been at work from the very beginning all the way through he's been shepherding us he's been guiding us he's been growing us and he always has more for us in that. And we begin to see our story in his larger story. And that's one of the, the hopes that we have for our readers is that they would take away that as well and celebrate what Good Shepherd, what God does in their life and the lives of those that they're journeying with too. You mentioned uh, the, the Christ um, journey. Uh, each, each letter stands for a different stage in the journey. Can you just briefly walk us through what the different stages are? Yeah, we wanted to do that so that it would be real easy for a, uh, a coach or a pastor to, to memorize those Christ stages and have that map in your head while you're listening to somebody or even while you're preparing a sermon or when you're, if you're a worship leader and you're, you're putting together the sets of songs because we want our, our, our messages and our, our worship songs to speak to people in each of the different stages. That's really important because in every church service there's people in all those stages. Mm -hmm. and so we want them to feel that they're welcome. So the C stage is confidence in Christ, and that's where we're coming to faith, and we're, we're born again, appreciating God's fatherly love and, and, and forgiveness, and the symbol there that we use as a church, because uh, so often this is happening in the church, and we're attending church and, and discovering community. The H stage is help in discipleship, and that's where we have a pastor, a mentor, a small group leader who is guiding us uh, uh, into God's word and applying God's word to our life, and the symbol in the H stage of help and discipleship is the Bible, because we're, we're digging in deeper into God's word and we're learning the, the, the doctrines of the faith and the teachings and how to, how to live that out in our relationships. And the R stage is responsibilities and ministry. And that's where we're discovering that we have gifts. Uh, we call them joy gifts in Journey of the Soul, because we look at how the gifts that God has given us when we, when we use those in a healthy way. It, it brings us and other people great joy. And so uh, the symbol here is a medal because we're like on Team Jesus and we're using our <laughs> gifts to, to uh, serve others and bless other people. And that can be really fulfilling and a sense of significance that we can have with that. And most Christians are in the C, H, and R stages. And most of our churches are actually quite good at discipling people in these early stages and helping them get involved in church and get in a small group and dig into God's word and discover their gift and serve not only in the church but in the community and going on mission trips and and these sorts of things along the way what happens though is we, we hit the wall and we we talk a lot about the wall in 
in our book because it's it's the sole pivot of our journey and it's the place where we get stuck and where our Christian life isn't working the same way that it used to work and so there's different types of walls that we unpack like uh, burnout from overworking, spiritual burnout from maybe too, too much church activities or spiritual disciplines, a blowout as an immoral failing or a personal crisis, a faith crisis where our faith isn't working the same way it used to and we're asking questions, struggling with doubts. And then the dark night of the soul that, that Teresa of Avila, John of the Cross, and others talk about where we have this experience of spiritual dryness that, that is, is deep and, and, and ongoing and we, we can't seem to, to break through. And so we, we spend a lot of time helping people understand these wall experiences and what's going on there and that it's not the dead end that it feels like and that we're not going to connect with God the way we want to if we just go back to CH and R stage activities and disciplines, which is what everybody tries to do. But we, we we're not able to recapture what we felt at those times, most likely, because we're in a different season of the soul and God is doing a different work. And so the biggest takeaway of, of our book, Journey of the Soul, is with this map of the Christ stages and this understanding that at the wall, the Holy Spirit is inviting us into the I stage of the inner journey. And so if you can trust the map and realize that when you're feeling stuck and your Christian life isn't, isn't, isn't working very well, uh, some sort of experience of trial that, that's really uh, deep and painful or, or unsettling, destabilizing, uh, that th there's is an opportunity actually to do some inner journey work. The symbol here is a shovel because we're going to dig in deeper into, into our soul, in, into our stuff. And so this is where we're confessing some sin or some brokenness, some stress, some hurt, and we're being emotionally honest about that. And, we, we, and this is a good example of where we're needing some different kinds of disciplines that different than maybe just church attendance or uh, sort of the standard worship songs or Bible reading programs. Uh, we really need things like praying the Psalms and the Psalms of Lament, uh, maybe, uh, maybe poetry, nature, talking with a spiritual director. And we, we train spiritual directors at Soul Shepherding. And so you can go to soulshepherding.org and, and connect with a spiritual director that understands the soul, is great at empathy. Because these are things that we really need at the wall it facilitates that inner journey of greater self-awareness, and then with that can come greater intimacy with God and a spiritual renewal. Then the I stage can lead into the S stage of spirit-led ministry. And the interesting thing about this stage is in many ways we're revisiting the activity level of the R stage. Because at the wall and in the inner journey, we need to slow things down in order to make space for those emotions and the distress inside. And, and to pray that through and talk that through with uh, safe people. But then now at the, at the S stage, with this renewed uh, spiritual life and intimacy with God, we're able to re-engage our, our work in our ministry more, more fully, like we did at the R stage, but we have a whole different uh, place and way of doing it. Because in the, in the R stage of responsibilities and ministry, we tend to do our work or our ministry for God, which is wonderful, and we always want to do that all our life, for God's glory, for, for Jesus. But sometimes we don't know very well how to do it with God. We maybe understand that and could teach that, especially if we're pastors, but really learning to live into that space where we have heart-engaging habits that while we're doing our work in our ministry, we're able to, to maintain some sense of abiding in God's presence that's what the S stage of Spirit-Led Ministry is about. There's a fresh anointing on our ministry. We call this the stage of, of the easy yoke of Jesus. And we actually have another book, Your Best Life in Jesus' Easy Yoke, that is all about this inner journey uh, and Spirit-Led Ministry st stages where we're learning to do our work in God's presence, in that easy yoke, where, where Jesus says, you know, hey, walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And then we might then experience the T stage of transforming union. This is uh, practicing God's presence. Uh, it's being in a place where we're, we're more like the Apostle Paul, who was so like Jesus, and, and his, his message and his life were, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. There's just a tremendous identification with Jesus. That's why we call it transforming union. And so there's this sense that I'm prepared to, even to bless those that curse me, 
because I know that that can be the way that, that God can draw people to Jesus. So I noticed as I was looking through the, the table of contents in the book um, that you not only have the stages, but you also connect spiritual practices with each stage, which is, I think, a fascinating and, and just great idea. Tell us just a little bit about uh, what those spiritual practices do in our journey and, and how they connect with the stages of emotional and spiritual growth. Well, definitely those spiritual practices are ways that we can concretely work out our salvation, as the Lord tells us to do. Ways, they're, they're means of grace, as Richard Foster writes about in Celebration of Discipline. We talk about them in Soul Shepherding as their experiments. What will God do if I do engage with him in this way, with faith? And the ways that God notices us, well, those spiritual disciplines are different depending upon what stage is your home stage in that Christ mm. stage journal. So at the early stages in confidence in Christ, some of the basic disciplines that we're first learning are things that we're actually experiencing often through the church, which is why the church is the symbol for the C stage. Things like receiving communion mm. or baptism and learning to be able to share our faith publicly to make that commitment of our confidence in Christ in a way that's in community with others celebrating with us. There's also disciplines like learning the Bible stories, some of the basic things of learning to engage with scripture early on or, or learning to, to worship and attend church. And then in help and discipleship, we're, we're ready for more. We're ready to go a little bit deeper. Maybe we've come to be familiar with scripture and some of the things that Jesus teaches, but we need to learn how to do those things. We need to learn how to understand scripture. We need someone to help us and teach us how to study scripture. We need help with learning how to, how to pray. Maybe in C stage we've been prayed for and we've started to pray a little bit, but for us to begin to learn how to pray ourselves without the aid of somebody else. And that can start with also things like scripture memory is a great discipline for help and discipleship. And then as we move into responsibilities and discipline ministry, we're learning that we have those unique joy gifts. And so the disciplines begin to be a little bit more active, maybe with even servant projects or, or going on mission together. We're also continuing to grow and learn. So we're probably engaging more in some, some classes of learning our spiritual gifts and teaming together in community for the Lord, serving, leading, leading others, discipling others on the journey, we'll start to engage in that more in responsibilities in ministry. At the wall though, we're tired. We're often burned out. The, the spiritual disciplines that we've been doing in those first three stages, they're, they're not working for us anymore. Maybe we find ourselves engaging with scripture and, and feeling kind of bored because it's familiar to us or find ourselves engaging with scripture and studying it for the people we're gonna serve it to instead of ourselves. Or maybe we find that we are just exhausted because we have gotten caught up in it at, and in each of the stages there is a temptation there is a roadblock that we encounter because we have an enemy at every stage mm. who's trying to still kill and mm. destroy us so at responsibilities in ministry one of those roadblocks that we run into is this sense of finding that we're so busy for god that we have actually have gotten caught up in kind of unconsciously an earning mentality that I'm doing this, I have to do this, God expects this of me, I, I need to do this to secure myself, to please myself. I was talking to a pastor's wife the other day who was telling me, well, as long as I'm in ministry, I feel like things are gonna go well for me because God's gonna have favor upon me. And so she was in crisis because mm -hmm. her husband left the position of ministry that he had been in, and so she was feeling very insecure because she believed that there was some special reward for her based on the ministry that they were doing. So we, some of these things can be very unconscious in us. And so at the wall, we need to start laying down all of these things that we have been doing for God. And we need to let the Lord minister his deep and love to us. We need to be able to identify some of those false self identities that we've taken on and gotten caught up with without over identifying with our ministerial roles in the church or in the ministry God's called us to and losing sight of our true self, that God loves us for who we are, that we're his beloved. It's not about us being human doings, <laughs> but human mm. beings. We need to recalibrate mm. in that and learn that God loves us even when we aren't doing anything for him, even when we're at, at rest. And so some of the disciplines at the wall look like receiving spiritual care, or counseling, 
setting boundaries, saying no to some things instead of saying yes all the time, praying the Psalms of lament because at the wall, it's, it doesn't feel like a happy place to be. And so often being able to find some language and the psalmist does such a good job of articulating these emotionally honest prayers of crying out to God from a place of, of need, of even desperation. And then when we're in the inner journey, we are using, continuing with praying the Psalms is a great one, but also soul friendship and spiritual direction where we are receiving empathy for some of the, the wounds that have been opened up there at, at the inner journey. If you think about the soil of our soul is hardened and the shovel there, that's our symbol is giving God permission to break up that hardened ground and open up and aerate and breathe his life into the soil mm -hmm. of our soul and to begin to uproot some of the root sins that become clear to us there in that stage and to be able to even do some pruning work of some things that maybe looked really flowery and really pretty and maybe we were proud of in the garden of our life but to let the lord prune that and so disciplines that are involved in things like that would be things like healing prayer and quiet prayer and spending time alone in solitude and silence so that you're putting out all the other distractions and voices of the world that are competing to, to begin to hear the Good Shepherd's voice speaking personally to you. In spirit-led ministry, we're, we're learning to wait on the Lord before we act. We're, we're learning to listen before we say and do. In responsibilities in ministry, we were learning to use our gifts and practice them, but now we're learning to abandon those outcomes to the Lord as we use our gifts. We're learning to wait and to let the Spirit direct our activities instead of being so busy trying to make things happen. So watching and praying before we act and serve is a, a discipline for Spirit-led ministry. Listening to God first and abiding in prayer for ourselves, yes, but also inviting in prayer for others. Instead of just praying for others and depending upon ourselves to know what to pray, but to actually listen. What's on God's heart for this person would be another mm -hmm. example of a spiritual discipline. Secrecy is another spiritual discipline in spirit-led ministry. Not doing what we're doing for the applause or for the recognition, but doing it in secret and for, the, for just the audience of one. And then in transforming union, we're turning all of our activities in the spiritual life into prayer. We're able to more practice the presence of God at all times there. But a discipline in transforming union is to stay engaged with the church because the temptation is to disengage because the church just really isn't meeting your needs. You don't feel the need for it anymore like you did early in those earlier stages. But it's important to stay engaged with the church because you have so much to bring and so much to offer and so much understanding and maturity that the church is desperate for. And also you need to be a part of receiving in fellowship as well. Uh, blessing those who mistreat you is another discipline that's for the T stage, learning to bless the one that curses you, forgiving and loving your enemies are disciplines that you're especially ready for and growing in that T stage. Yeah, I, I love how these, um, how you've taken the disciplines and, and attached them meaningfully to a process of growth. I think so often uh, I've found even in my own life that an approach to the disciplines can feel very random. Uh, almost as though, okay, if I do this discipline, God's going to do something. Uh, but to see the intentionality of it and everything you're speaking about is just, it reeks with intentionality. This is what I love. <laughs> you're, you're talking about it. It's almost like God has a purpose in all of this that he's going to grow <laughs> yeah. us to be like Jesus. Oh yeah. And, and that trajectory and being able to, to um, attach things. Sean, I'm going to jump on your question because I'm just, I'm yeah, I'm getting really passionate about this, but you've already delved into the wall, and I find the wall fascinating and horrifying at the same time. Yeah, and and I have a bunch of questions that I could just lay them all on you here and and overwhelm you with them. But um, the the one that that really intrigues me is that especially for those who who sense a call to pastoral ministries, uh, those who are are wanting to serve Christ uh, in the church. Uh, and um, enter and engage into that without having yet encountered their wall and, and walk through that, uh, and then coming face-to-face -face with their own brokenness, essentially, in the midst of engaging uh, in ministry, and 
not being able to identify that wall or not being able to uh, know what to do with that wall. What what has your experience been in in seeing those who have come face to face with their wall uh, and not knowing how to what to do with it, how to encounter that? Well, you're describing why we started our sabbatical coaching ministry. Because what we have found with uh, so many pastors that we have worked with and uh, missionaries and leaders as well that. Uh, eventually they do come into that wall. Uh, pretty much everybody has hit the wall by age 40, I think. Sometimes more than once, because these stages are they are not linear. Uh, they do build on each other, and so that part seems linear, but our experience of them is actually cyclical. Mm-hmm. It's like a spiral. We're moving back and forth, and uh, all the stages are, are good. So after some years uh, in ministry, uh, our stage of responsibilities in ministry, which is where... It's hard to really be in any other stage but the R stage as a pastor because that's what the, um, the contemporary churches sort of require of us. Is what the culture wants is more programs and more services and, and wants the, the, the pastors and the leaders of the church to really do church for us and lay it all out for us and give us programs for everything that we need. And so there's a lot of work to do, and it's good work. Uh, it's God's work, and it's to be celebrated, but we tend to overdo it. And we tend to rely on our own abilities too much. And so that's where we will hit that wall. And so uh, what we have found is that helping pastors make space to really look into their soul and learn how to rest and learn how to do some deeper inner journey work. Uh, A great way to do that is on sabbatical. So we have a whole program for that now, sabbaticalguide.com. And it's videos and, and tools to help a pastor get their sabbatical approved giving them a checklist and uh, letters to uh, uh, share with their, their people in their church and talking points with your board of directors or your supervisor, just the whole thing to, to take a sabbatical and then take one that's really enriching. It's more than visiting other churches to get sermon plans or prepare your own sermon plans. <laughs> it's more than a vacation. It's more than doing house projects. All, all these things can be great to do, but they're not true Sabbath rest. So we teach pastors how to really rest and make space, which a lot of us in ministry, we've been avoiding. We've been avoiding slowing down. We've been avoiding being quiet. We've been avoiding unhooking from our, our ministry and our relationships and the ways that God is using us because it's, it's propping up our, our self-esteem uh, as well as it's just urgent uh, works of love that, that are needed. So when we make that space to do that reflection, to do that prayer, to again, to talk with a spiritual director or sabbatical coach, it gives God a, a, a lot of opportunity to do a deeper work of, of healing and change inside of us that can help us learn this deeper spirituality of the, of the inner journey and then spirit-led ministry and how to pastor out of that. One of the things, too, is they need language for the wall, and they need to have it normalized because so many of the pastors and leaders that have come to us at the wall, they, they feel shame. They feel wow. as if I must have done something wrong. They often feel abandoned by God. The wall is often a time of of doubt, of reassessing, is anything that I've believed or experienced today really true? And that feels very insecure, especially when you are in a position where you are serving it to others and you're questioning it your very self. So I think it's really helped those that we encountered at the wall and it really helped me with this understanding of the map and understanding that this this is normal. This is not something that you need to panic about or hide in shame and isolate from or drop out of ministry about. So I've hit the wall three times in a, in a big way. All three times I was in ministry. First time in, in college as a resident advisor and was working a, a summer job that was very difficult. I was being persecuted and I was trying to be a witness for Jesus and I plummeted it in, into depression and shame. I didn't know it was a dark night of the soul. I didn't have language for that. And so it was a really uh, a time of questioning and doubt and, and wrestling. The second time was in my uh, late 30s and I hit the wall through burnout and I'd been working as a pastor and a psychologist, uh, two sides of my career. And I, I love my work, but then I, I wasn't loving it anymore and it was too much work and too many needs for people. And I just, I just fell flat in my spiritual life, uh, in, in my career. Uh, fortunately, uh, marriage to Christy and, and family was, was really good, but in, is it related to my, my ministry and just my spiritual life? I, I was just dry as dust for the longest time. 
And even though I was a psychologist and I had a lot of understanding about the soul and relationships and spirituality, I did not have the Christ stages map and I, I didn't really understand the things that we're talking about here. And so again, I, I floundered. The third time I hit the wall was more recently in my 40s and it was in, in my leadership of soul shepherding. Actually, it was in my late 40s, early 50s. And I, I hit a leadership wall uh, in, in growing our organization and was wrestling with feelings of inadequacy and stress and all that and where's God in it. But this time I had the map and I, I understood where I was. And it's like, oh, I'm at the wall. Now I had to work through some uh, resistance and defense mechanisms there because there's a part of me like, Oh, I don't need to do more inner journey work. That's, that's what the book says. Journey of the Soul says when you're at the wall, you need to do more inner journey work, right? But I'm like, gosh, I've been in therapy. I've, been, I've had a spiritual director. I'm a, I'm a therapist, a long-time pastor. I've done so much inner journey work. I don't need more of that. It was like, oh, wait a minute, Bill. Trust the map. Trust the Word of God. Trust the Holy Spirit. And so I just, okay, I'm, I'm going to peel back some more layers of the onion of my soul and open up this. And, and sure enough, it just really released me. It gave me a sense of orientation and meaning. And I was able to look back and go, yeah, the last times I've hit the wall, while it was so difficult and destabilizing and I felt stuck uh, and it was in distress, but when I stayed with it and I did inner journey work without even having the map and knowing that that's what I needed to do, Eventually, God brought new grace and, and deeper healing and a renewed spirituality, a renewed intimacy with the Lord, and a renewed ministry. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to trust the map. I'm not going to chafe on the yoke here. I'm going I'm to walk with Jesus or stand with Jesus or, or feel like I'm walking backwards with Jesus. But it, it's okay because I know that if I will do the inner journey work and be emotionally honest in prayer and in my conversations and with my spiritual director, that the Lord is going, to, is going to do this healing work in me and it's going to, it's going to bring some new intimacy with God that I'm, is going to bless me and it's going to bring some new ministry opportunities coming out of that, maybe as a wounded healer and more S-stage spirituality and, and I'm going to enjoy that as well. So that helped me to, to be secure and to relax and to know that I didn't need to feel ashamed about this. That was a temptation, but it was not of the Lord and this actually God was leading me deeper and further in the Christ stage journey. In, wow. in your ministry and, and soul shepherding as well, for the pastors that are engaged with a coach like you're offering, mm -hmm. a director like we offer, I mean, that is so wise. That is so good to have a guide who has experienced this, has gone before, and can give you that understanding and that articulation and can be journeying with you. I needed that when I hit my big wall of compassion fatigue. I needed somebody who could minister to me at that time when my cup was so empty. Mm. I've uh, just finished writing a book uh, about burnout and and used some of the same language. Um, it, it's it's so powerful. Um, one of the things I found is that uh, in the church we tend to look at the R stage as the pinnacle. You know, once you reach that, you reach spiritual maturity, and you know you just spend the rest of your life working hard for God. You're useful. Yeah. 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 Uh, but being in that stage also produces in us some false identities that can come to the surface. And for me, the work at the wall was really stripping away every identity that isn't Christ and mm -hmm. uh, just learning to, to find myself in him and, and in his will uh, alone, not in my own drivenness and my own um, desire to see success, but kind of redefining everything according to him. This is such powerful stuff that is, is so helpful for leaders in, in ministry. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just want to say thank you for, for doing this and for sharing your story in that way. Yeah, well, thank you, Sean, for yeah, your story there. Yes, so many pastors that we've talked with uh, uh, are at burnout, and they're, they're needing to do that work that you're describing around uh, rediscovering their identity in Christ. And this is where sabbatical coaching can be so helpful because just to have a season, even, even if it's a month, where you just set aside pastoral work and the, the pastoral identity and just say, okay, who am I apart from that? Just a, as a man, as a woman, as a disciple of Jesus, and, and just recalibrate your identity there. And also, Sean, you're verbalizing that when we do the work at the wall and we get in and do that inner journey work, then in spirit-led ministry, we become wounded healers. We have mm -hmm. so much more to give and to help and to pass on to those that are coming behind us and that are 
in need. Because now we're, we're better able to give out of the overflow. Mm -hmm. yes. yes. And that's where the joy is. Mm -hmm. When we're sharing with others the, the, the grace that, that not only we've experienced in the past, but the, we're even experiencing now. There's fresh bread. So the spirit-led ministry stage is that stage where we're that sailboat and we've learned to really float and be supported on the ocean of God's love. And we've learned to be still and the calm and to wait on him and enjoy the peace of his presence. But then when the wind of his spirit blows, boy, it's so exciting. And we know how to adjust <laughs> ourselves and go and see the impact of what his wind and the spirit brings. And as we move with this spirit, there's no higher joy. Yeah, we use the sailboat as the symbol for the S stage. I uh, learned to sail as a boy, but I grew up on a lake, and my dad taught me to sail. And so I, I love that that analogy. Well, I just listening to all of your stories here, thinking of my own visits to the wall. My my time is more standing at the wall, beating my head against it. That's what it feels <laughs> oh, like. Yeah. <laughs> not, and I'm sure for a lot of people. But uh, again, kind of reiterating the importance of not doing this alone, of having someone to journey with you, with, with us, uh, and, and to have the resources like your book. Uh, you, you mentioned before, you know, to be able to, to read, read the book, perhaps even read the book together with someone and identify, okay, here's where I am, or here's what I'm sensing, to begin to put that language on it and then have a spot to move on from. Have you seen that, that the book's being used in that way? Yeah, in fact, we have written a, a leader's guide to make it really conducive and easy to Great. go through in community. It's powerful in that, in the book, in the leader's guide, we give tips for having healthy small groups and tips to help the leader make it an emotionally safe place. We also have uh, things like retreat guides and how to go mm -hmm. on retreat together and also how to make your own map to chart kind of your course through these stages and to be able to share that with someone. And that's such a, a joyful thing to do in community is enriching personally, even if you just do it on your own, but you get even more out of it when you're doing it with others and hearing their stories and sharing your story and giving testimony to what you're discovering that God has done and is doing and what he's leading you on. And then he uses others in community to give you a vision of where he's leading you next. And with help from our staff, we've produced uh, soul shepherding uh, videos. So there's a short videos from Christy and me, about 10 minutes long, on each of the Christ stages. And so this is to help a church do small groups on Journey of the Soul. And so we've been traveling ar around the country, and we go to different churches, and we'll kick off a sermon series for them on Journey of the Soul, maybe, maybe on the title of There's So Much More to the Christian Life. And then uh, the pastor will then carry through the series, and we even have sermon notes to get the pastor started for that, and then the small groups can coincide with that. Wow, just tremendous resources. Where where can our listeners find these, and how can our listeners connect with you online? Well, journeyofthesoul.org, that's the title of the book, and that's a special website that has all the Journey of the Soul uh, material, lots of freebies there. Like we haven't mentioned the uh, a playlist of Christian worship songs over 30 songs for each of the Christ stages. So there's seven different playlists, one for each stage plus the wall, uh, because the uh, contemporary Christian artists uh, speak to these stages. And it's very helpful to hear, hear them sung and just to go to the stage that you're in and listen to those songs or, or to listen to the songs in the other stages and celebrate those with people. And our, our website is uh, soulshepherding.org and you can also find everything about soul shepherding uh, and the Journey of the Soul book uh, there, as well as talking to a spiritual director or a sabbatical coach or our other books and resources. You also have a podcast, if if I'm uh, remembering correctly. I think I've listened to some of your, your uh, episodes on the Journey of the Soul on the podcast. Tell us a little bit about that. Our podcast is Soul Talks with Bill and Christy Galtier. We try to keep those short, around 20 minutes of conversation that we're having out of the overflow of our own life. You can find those on any podcast app. Of course, we're on social media. We've got a Hoppin' Instagram account. Uh, <laughs> we're uh, just growing followers daily. Uh, we're about 35,000 now. And wow. we've branded that on following Jesus with feelings and faith. Because that's an expression of what we do in our ministry. Is we, a lot of Christians feel like uh, maybe emotion and faith are like in conflict. And we help you see how you can integrate them. Mm -hmm. wow. 
And for our type A listeners, I got to do this, okay, because you gave us a symbol for five out of the six stages. What's the symbol for transforming union? Thanks for asking. It's the wedding rings. Because as we have gone through our journey with Jesus through all these earlier stages and into the T stage, we have, we have been so faithful. We, and, and we've experienced his faithfulness and we've grown in so much intimacy with the Lord and created so much history together. And so there's a, a deep union there with Christ, transforming union and commitment that's deep and lasting. So we're able to, to stay committed even in times of intense suffering, which often is a part of the T stage. And even at those times when we maybe don't feel God's love as deeply or as new or as excitedly or as passionately as maybe we did early in that C stage, we're able to stay committed and confident in his love and grace for us and faithful to him, even in trials. Well, we always like to, to end our podcast by asking our guests to uh, just offer some words of hope for pastors and their families. What words of hope would you have to offer them? Well, I would just say to uh, pastors listening that you're, you're not alone. And um, uh, Tom and Sean, that's why you have uh, Pastors in Residence Ministries. And that's why we have Soul Shepherding Ministry is we're, we're about pastors. And 70% of pastors, according to the research, say they don't have a close friend which is a shocking statistic because ministry is all relationships. And so every pastor I've ever talked to has dozens, if not hundreds, or even more friends. But they're ministry friends. They're people that we're, we're serving, we're, we're teaching, mm-hmm. we're, we're discipling. Because ministry is relationship. But a friend that is a, uh, not at my church, who's a safe person for me, that can keep a confidence, that understands pastoral ministry, that can be harder to find. And so that's what you're doing in your ministry. That's what we're doing in our ministry with, with coaches, with spiritual directors, with groups and communities. Is helping, and even your podcast and our podcast, we're trying to, to build relationship. We're trying to put words to what, what you're feeling as you're serving the Lord so that you and your spouse, your team, you're, you're not alone. And uh, so that's I love that your podcast is Hope Renewed because it's like, yeah, you want it, we want to give you who are listening hope. Of course, our hope is in Jesus, but that hope also needs to be enfleshed in our human relationships in the body of Christ. And also, thanks for listening to Hope Renewed and caring for your soul, putting priority on recognizing that your needs matter, that God cares for you, and joining him with that. Thank you guys so much for coming on the podcast and uh, for offering yourselves in this wonderful book. um, Thanks again for, for coming on Hope Renewed. Oh, it's been fun, and, and thanks for all of you who are listening, and just appreciate getting to share with you. Thank you. And as always, we invite you, our listeners, to rate and review Hope Renewed in iTunes or your favorite podcast app, and to share this podcast with your friends on social media. It's a great way to help us to continue to bring hope to others. Thanks for joining us today. It is our prayer that the shepherd of your soul would fill you with all hope in Christ Jesus. PIR Ministries partners with God and the church in the work of pastoral renewal and restoration to cultivate new hope for healthy ministry lives. You can learn more about us at our webpage, pirministries.org, or email us at info at pirministries.org. Thanks for joining us for Hope Renewed, and remember, the hope Christ offers will never put us to shame.